Support for this episode is brought to you by SipTequila.com. Are you looking for a great gift for friends or family, or an easy way to keep your favorite tequilas stocked at your bar all year round? Check out Sip Tequila's subscription option. Free ground shipping, and you can choose your frequency, monthly or every two, four, or six months. Flexible payment options that allow you to prepay to save even more, all while managing your subscription with the click of a button. SipTequila.com. Premium tequilas ship direct to your door. There's something about food that can immediately transport you to another place. Whether it reminds you of a memory from long ago or wakes up your senses when you try something magical for the first time. My guest today fell in love with Mexican cuisine while growing up in Southern California and traveling all over Mexico, watching, learning, tasting, from finishing in the top three on Top Chef to spending years perfecting his recipes. His latest book, The Tequila Diet, combines his love for Mexican food while pairing it with his love for tequila. We're gonna hear his story and talk about how the tequila diet helped him get healthy on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. I'm here with chef extraordinaire Dave Martin in his new cookbook, The Tequila Diet, exploring Mexican food and drinks with the world's greatest spirit. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you, Doug. Thank you. I'm super excited. Dave, it's been quite the journey for you. You started out in California. I know you've got a tech background. And was it the dot-com bubble that made you shift gears and, and turn from tech and IT into the culinary world? Or what's a little bit about your background? Yeah, completely. You know, my story is unique in that, yeah, I did switch from tech to food, not on the software development side. But anyway, yeah, I was part of the tech bust. I was always in food through high school and college, though. Busboy server, did all that stuff, cooked at home. My mom cooked, my dad cooked, my grandmother cooked. So I came from, you know, like something like in Betty Crocker times, you know, literally everything was from scratch. We did not have Oreos and things like that. So everything was fresh baked and we didn't do a lot of not a lot of fast food, no real TV dinner. So I was really one of the fortunate ones. So especially that would be like, so quite unheard of in today's times. But so that was kind of my upbringing. And then the market crashed, like literally I lost everything, my homes, my business, I actually had a recruiting firm. So I built a one of my claims to fame, I did, I built a little company that became America Online. So yeah, I was living the high life. Yeah, I was, it was great. Like I didn't do anything. I made a fortune. It was awesome. But that came crumbling down. And I was like, what am I going to do? What's my reset? Like this is gone, gone. So I ended up going back to school, went to Cordon Bleu, did a year and a half program. While I was there, you know, I did some stuff with Spago catering and things like that to get my feet wet on more of a professional level. And then just kind of exploded from there. Very shortly after that, I went, my first role was like running a restaurant in Manhattan Beach as the executive chef, a little bistro. And from there landed on Top Chef. And then, you know, things went crazy and I got moved to New York and, you know, it was an interesting 13 years there. Now I'm back in San Diego. Top Chef. So 2006, this brand new show comes out. I don't know yes. if anybody fully knew how massive of a hit, I mean, even today, how, how on a large world scale, how massive of a show that was. What was it that made you try out for it? Uh, what was your experience on the show? Because you, you did very well on the show and, and people really, I mean, your larger than life personality really came out as a fan favorite favorite on that show. What was it like going through that process? And did you know it was going to be so huge as you were going through it? Yeah. So a super fun story in that 
I, I got, I was always looking on Craigslist for jobs. It was on Craigslist and it was, it was the same time that Food Network was starting their first show, whatever, Food Network star. Anyway, you know, it was like produce, the producer of Project Runway. And I was like, I'm a reality junkie. Like that's my mainstay when it comes to television. I don't watch a lot of it, but I watch reality. I watch garbage. I don't really watch scripted okay. TV. So I knew Project Runway and it was well produced. That was going to be very important to me. I didn't want to just do any show. Um, so yeah, I applied on Craigslist, spent a couple hours with them, you know, met the show that same day they came to the restaurant you know the process went somewhat quickly and then it slowed down you know we joked when we were filming the show you know I was telling everyone I was like oh god just wait this show's gonna blow up it's gonna be sponsored by Glad and Ziploc you know we we're making all these jokes and I was like talking about all these sponsors and da 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 you know and then fast forward to present day like all that shit happened you know and obviously social media and things have come along the way since you know we filmed like an eon ago but it was very fun because I I had a feeling it was gonna be successful because there wasn't anything like it and luckily there was a good cast first season that helped yep. make that happen but yeah you know a good production obviously was super important and critical and it was real it was organic we weren't yeah i mean casting yeah of course they want to have different personalities but it wasn't you know we didn't have scripts it wasn't overly produced like things might be more so today which is kind yep. of what happens with the reality show you know it needs to be big every year it needs to be bigger and better like when you watch housewives at the end of the show like there's all these production and writing credits okay so you know it's 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 what happens in reality but yes we did have an idea that it would be something big and yeah now it's this you know global thing all over the country and world and it's it's pretty crazy to have been like you know the og years ago i i'm i'm <laughs> aging myself but that's okay yeah and like i said you really were just fan favorite but not only that you got to show your skills in the kitchen i mean you placed top three you did very well there a lot of uh, americana cuisine but you are very well versed in, in lots of different as we're going to head into you know Mex mexican cuisine but there was a lot on there what what did you learn during that show did it teach you anything about yourself i mean to be under that pressure i mean as, as chefs you guys are always under pressure in the restaurant world but was there anything there that you learned throughout that process about you as a as a chef knowing that you can just get in that kitchen and and you can do anything you can make it happen yeah you know I was a very young cook at that time you know I was only like a year or two you know just under two years of experience so I really didn't know anything I knew some things but not a lot that's one of the beauties of cookies and you can always learn there's so much out there I was surprised that I did as good as I did I was super thankful because I am very like intense sensitive neurotic all those things I guess that make a good chef and I still carry all those same traits and I I still do get anxious about events and projects and, you know, I take it very seriously. People like to say, you know, don't be, you know, don't take it so personal. Well, it's personal. So if, you know what I mean? Like when you lose that touch, I think you lose what makes you as good as you are. So, you know, I look at every event as, you know, I'm only as good as my last one. So anyway, but I, I digress. So in terms of, you know, yeah, all of my food kind of went, it was comfort. That was what I knew, right? I was, yeah. as I was talking about, you know, dishes from my childhood and things like that and my experiences and hadn't traveled around the world as much um, as present day. Even then I was going to Mexico and I'm still going as much as I can 
several times a year. But yeah, from there, I think New York was is maybe what helped me switch to more of, you know, I'm kind of a global food expert at this point. Before I left Manhattan, I opened an Indian fast casual. I opened a Georgian, as in Russian Georgian restaurant. I did an Indian, Indonesian, Malaysian. And then, of course, Mexican and Italian, like all my favorite things that I've grown up with, especially especially Mexican. I did grow up in Southern California, and I'm so thankful for that. Not just the great weather, but the food is great when we when we talk about Mexican cuisine because we're so close to the border. And, you know, having homemade tamales and homemade tortillas, like I was doing that as a kid and not even really knowing how fortunate I was, you know, especially when I moved to the East Coast and just saw, I was like, this isn't Mexican. You know, like it was very hard to find, you know, I don't need a $6 taco. That's not... I'm sorry. No, thank you. So, you know, that's what New York was more full of and still is present day more of the fancy, what I call fancy Mex or just not really Mexican, you know, maybe more Tex-Mex or Southwestern versus true authentic Mexican. I heard you say, you you know, you left Top Chef and you, yeah. you started a consulting firm, Chowdown Inc., along with a handful of other projects. I'm, I'm sure, you know, after Top Chef, just how well it did, it, it opened up a lot of doors. You moved to New York City and, and I heard you say once that it felt like you metaphorically speaking just got beat up for like 13 years straight in new york and then you eventually do move back to southern california which is where you are now where you know we as we get into this cookbook new york i'm sure you learned yeah. a lot but that was just you, you were ready to get back to california yeah you know 13 years it's it's a lot and it was great for my career and you know i, I moved there for a restaurant that blew up right after i got there so i figured it out and started cold calling and doing cooking classes and you know i wanted to I wanted to prove that I could do it. Kind of New York is that place, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I mean, it's true. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hustled, I figured it out and kind of got more into like setting up concepts and consulting. That was the mainstay, you know, before COVID, about 60, 70% of that. And then the balance was events and private clients. So I really had a good uh, mixture, but yeah, I, you know, being from here and the great weather and it's just it's so much less expensive there's just so many things that make it more appealing so yeah i did my time i did 13 years i survived i came out of alive i still a little bit of money in my bank and yeah i was super happy to come back to kind of what is more my lifestyle you know which now it's san diego but yeah i'm super happy to be back here and closer to just friends and family and and great weather every day. It's funny when you would you because you were about to say it's less expensive. It's funny as as you're leaving New York to say it's less expensive as you're going to California because California usually is not less expensive than a lot of places, but New York it is because of just real estate there yeah. and I know cost there is, is is very high. I got tired of like a thirty dollar reposado and we're talking like a basic reposado. So you know what I'm saying? Like I don't need to yeah. pay thirty bucks for a Casamigos reposado. I'm sorry, George. I yeah. mean you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> got the money but you know what i'm talking about like i'm really not into the commercial i'm not into paying for brands okay yep. like yeah yep. polo and all that i do that i'm that's that's whatever but when it comes to you know i i like some of those as as i do, as i switch into talking about tequilas like you know i love some of those old school brands like casadoras and corlejo like for me it doesn't need to be fancy or overly expensive for it to be good i mean i i appreciate the others but you know what i'm saying and so things like yeah. that i just don't like overpaying for food and beverage and yeah. as a chef that was something in new york that you know i just yeah i'm not into that 
So it, it's nice to have some better price points here um, and more options than just the big brands. Yeah. And, and my show, you know, we, we really on agave spirits and tequilas. I, I love to, to mix in like this episode here because, man, there's, there's a lot of great information in this book. But the show is really to showcase and to tell the stories of so many amazing brands that are craft small batch that, you know, may not have the marketing dollars as some of these larger brands that this is who we think we think this is what tequila is. And, and the show's whole point is to go, no, no, let me let me try to introduce you to something else, because as American market, what we think of tequila is very different than what the real old school. I mean, old school Casadores was phenomenal tequila back in the day. I mean, really, really classic tequila back then. So you've written a few different cookbooks. You just released yeah. the tequila diet. Yeah. Tell me, why did you why did you write this book? And, and I know you've got a love for this cuisine here, but but what was it that made you want to write this book? So it's kind of a funny story. I I just been in Italy for a couple of weeks and just eating pasta and gelato and drinking a lot of wine. And I was walking, but you know, you don't really do the gym in Europe. I came back like eight pounds up, which I was like, oh man, this is not good. So I'd always been on the tequila train and this is circa like 2016. I was always drinking, for me it's tequila and wine. That's pretty much all I drink. I don't drink anything else. So I came back, I was like, no wine. I was like, I got it, you know, no sugar, no wine. And so I switched to tequila only for like eight weeks. I mean, I ate and drank and worked out and stuff too, but I lost all the weight. I lost even more. And so I started this whole thing and telling my friends, oh, I'm on the tequila diet. I'm on the tequila diet. I just started, you know, throwing out the phrase and we all laughed and da da da. And then fast forward to like two years later, I had the opportunity to do a charity dinner in Sun Valley with some friends, Idaho, for those that don't know Sun Valley. And it was going to be a tequila event. And he's like, hey, it was chef buddy money. He's like, I know Mexican's your thing. Can you come, you know, work with the brand and do your thing? And I was like, sure. So sure enough, went to Sun Valley, did this charity dinner, met the owner of uh, El Beston Del Rey, who I partnered with on the book. And I pitched this idea of the tequila diet. And he was like, I'm in. I was like, really? And so that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, from there I went down with him to Mexico and, you know, just like the whole process kind of started out of like a joke kind of, but now it's, the book is not a joke, but kind of the way it kind of came to yeah. be was this thing that I pitched and they said, Hey, we'll help, you know, support it and da da da. And I was like, great. Cause that's the only way to get it done. If you're talking about self-publishing, because even though it's self-published, it's very expensive to get it get it done when you have photographers and you know brand design people. It's very expensive. So yeah, so that's kind of the story, kind of funny, and and now it's a real thing, and I'm I'm super excited to share it with everyone. And as you kind of mentioned, you know, I love everything about Mexico and and all foreign countries. I just love people, culture, history, stories, and uh, since Mexico's a place that I've gone to for so many years of my life, over probably 40 years. You know, I've really gotten to know a lot about it. It's me just kind of sharing. Place. Yeah, it is. And just, you know, they just, I, I, I love, I love everything about Mexico. So yeah, we talk about tequila and, it, and there are health benefits. I do a lot of tasting events and, and I always say, you know, the best alcohol is no alcohol. This is alcohol and we want to be responsible, but there are a lot of benefits yes. to tequila. You know, it's a stimulant versus a depressant. Mm -hmm. uh, it aids mm -hmm. in digestion. There's a lot of things and, and you are really incorporating it in each and really each one of these recipes uh, with it there for you to start to, to prep and to plan. I'm sure it's one thing to get in the kitchen and to, to make these dishes, 
but to prep it to where other people can do it. What, what was that process like? And, and I know the planning is probably pretty intense because, as you said here, the imagery here, everything in this book is really well done. But what was that process like as you were prepping to see, you know, what recipes you wanted to feature and the stories you wanted to tell through this book? Yeah. So where I kind of started is, you know, kind of like when I do a restaurant project, I start with like a really broad outline of... Uh, a menu essentially it starts with a menu and then from there I start building out categories you know whether it's proteins veggies you know really like a menu so that's yeah. kind of what my process is when I do a book because it's what I do for a restaurant is normally a master cookbook but then adding the stories and the things like that it does help having an English major from college so I am using that but you know so it, it started like a menu and then from there something that's very important to me and whether it's a restaurant or whether it's an event for clients you know from 10 to you know 200 I really like to have a balance of whether it's animals vegetables all those things are important to have because everyone's diet dietary restrictions are so different nowadays and you know whether it's gluten or whether it's plant-based or there's so many different things so I wanted to have a book that has those options and isn't just all about the animals and in conjunction with that for example the empanada recipe like I don't tell you what to put in it the dough is the dough and then I suggest here some of the braised meats or veggies or whatever you'd like to put in it so that you can kind of customize it which that's what Mexican food is anyway it's whether it's an enchilada with cheese or shrimp or whatever so kind of the way I wrote the book was I have these sauces and all these dishes and whatever you're putting in it of course some are you know the mole negro, you know, has traditionally chicken, but you can do it with other things. So that's kind of my approach to the book where it's kind of mix and match and have some customization, which I think is important in all the different kitchens that we have out there today. You said, so was it, is John Miller, is, was he who you met? The owner John Miller. The yeah. Brand? John, John Miller's the owner. Yes. So you got to go with him. Did you go to the distillery and see as you were prepping to really get hands on? Yeah. I went down and met with some of the team and, you know, it was a super great experience to learn more about the process and Oh, and let me be clear too, not just because John said, oh, hey, let's do the book. I want to back up to the tequila being amazing. I'm kind of a repo guy. Yes, I'll do Añejo, extra Añejo, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but really repo is just my thing. I just kind of drink it with on the rocks with a piece of orange. That's just what I like. The silver, like for me, silvers, you know, for me, they can be kind of hot. Just don't love yeah. them necessarily. Some have a little more character and such, but really not my thing. And so I, you know, he gave me a tasting of all the portfolio, which is the four classics. I was like, oh my God, I even like the silver. So I was like, this yeah. is great. So I didn't pitch my story. I So I'm backing up until I tasted everything. It was like, damn. I was like, can we keep, you know, this and the rep up? He's like, oh yeah, keep everything here while you're cooking and prepping and all that. So I really got to explore their versions of tequila and they were fantastic. So yeah, so I do want to back up and say, I love that. And John, he's spent a lot of time bringing this brand to the U.S. They're in like nine states now and growing and growing. You can order the tequila directly from their website because COVID broke down a bunch of laws so you can just ship it. Yeah. But you know, it's, the price point is realistic. 
and I think the quality exceeds what it is. And there'll be a story coming out on a tequila aficionado really soon. They just did some reviews of it and they were very, very impressed. Okay. Has, you know, they, they dive deeper into it, but yeah. So was that your first time going to a, a distillery and, and really seeing yes. the process? I know you've been, you've been to Oaxaca, you've been to a lot of areas in, in Mexico, but was this first time in, cause I believe this distillery yeah. is in a Matatan uh, area in Jalisco. And, and so, I mean, just to really see, it's pretty special, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's totally yeah it's awesome yeah anytime you know when you see how something really comes from the ground to you know the bottle or whatever it's or plate it's pretty it's pretty interesting and exciting and as i said this this book full of beautiful images great recipes you've got a lot of great information there's some pro tips there i mean you you've spent a lot of time going through and, and writing the content to to really bring people into this story it starts it kicks off with cocktails which is what i like to see i made myself a a mexicali margarita it's simple it's okay. Refreshing. It's got a little bit of heat. I've got that here with me right now. I, I did not have any uh, El Beston del Rey, so I, I, I've got a little wild common repo in here. We're gonna work on that. We'll we'll okay. work on that. <laughs> but but I went I went with a, a repo like you suggested. Muddled the pepper, fresh orange juice, fresh lime juice, a little agave. Man, it's refreshing. It, it's really good. I'm sure you had as you were going through the cocktails. You probably had a lot of friends that were willing to say, "Hey, I will be your research and development team to to try these out." Yes, I did. I have my San crew we we do tastings and such i did a portion of the development in new york and then when i moved here we started to bring the book back to life and one of the things that is important that i want to share about the book is you know these are not mixologist cocktails these are meant to be simple and home for simple yep. like for the home the budding bartender you know there's not 60 ingredients so you know the recipes food wise there's some simple and there's some more complex when we get into moles and enchilada sauces and such but the cocktails are pretty simple you know everything is kind of available so that was something that was important to me that i didn't want to like create a cookbook that had you know what i mean like there's not lavender and all these crazy things I, whatever not i don't like lavender but you know so the recipes are simple and yes we did tastings here and and the same with the food and i know one of the questions you'd asked about the approach and how i do the recipes you know i start that menu board kind of thing for the book and then i start looking at traditional constructions of dishes and then kind of building my foundation then making them and then making them again and retooling them and then kind of having other people taste them so that's kind of how more of that the process or the methodology happens and you know and the same with the cocktails even though simple in construction i wanted to have just fun flavors and really have the tequila be dominant well you talk about being simple but you do have a section for making your own syrups and and, and different things to really blend i mean it does elevate True. and it does True. allow somebody at home to feel like wow i can create a great cocktail that i would get in a bar to your point it is easy to do so i, I really enjoyed working through that because there's some great syrups that you can make to be infused cool. with these drinks so yeah really really great on the cocktail side there and then as we get into it i mean we go everywhere from from dips to salsas to main courses what what are some of your favorite dishes from this book you know there's definitely a wide array of salsas which i think you know based on the region where you're at there are all these different styles so i did try to incorporate some different options there because that's yeah. such a staple in the cuisine whether it's fruit based or tomato based etc so that's a fun category in itself but you know, listen, mole is like one of my passions. Um, you know, there are the seven different moles and they're based on region and what's available. And, you know, some are seed, more seed based and this, the yellow, there's all these great moles for me. And one that I 
know most intimately is the Mole Negro. And I mean, I literally will drink it at brunch. One of my resorts that I go to in Cancun, I let them know that I'm coming. They have it made when I'm there. I literally drink it in the morning. It's it's that great to me. So that's something I really spent time on and talked with some different chefs, chefs uh, in Mexico and asked them some of their secret ingredients, whether it's the Gamesa cookie or uh, crumbled tortilla and, you know, just really dug deep into that and I've been making that for several years so that's definitely I don't order it when I go to Mexican restaurants because it's more difficult in ingredients than than the method itself so it's more ingredient driven that's what makes it yeah. complex but that's totally one of my favorites so mole of course I love you've got some reposado in yep. there to, to use to deglaze each each one of them for for listeners at home every one of these recipes it is using tequila in some way and so here you've got a reposado in there yeah and let me talk about the infusion of the tequilas in the recipes which is probably like 95 percent of the recipes have tequila and here's the deal i'm french trained you know in france we're using you know sherry you know that is such a huge component in our soups and sauces and things of that nature uh when you're in italy there's the marsala you know so all of the different countries and regions have uh different wines or fortified wines that are utilized in the cooking process and so Part of my idea in this book was like, well, it's Mexico. Why don't we use different varietals of tequila to use, whether it's deglazing or like in the chicken tortilla soup. And so it's not me just putting in tequila and thinking that's yeah. like kitschy and cool. There is actually a purpose and that comes from my foundation and my learning of cooking and the importance of these types of, you know, whatever wines or spirits that are used in cooking. And so there is a thought process there. Like you said, the reposado and the mole and things like that. And even in like some of the salsas, whether it's deglazed or even just infused with the ceviche, there's a reason that I chose the varietal. And then there is a reason for that being there, not just putting it in the dish. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, everything everything serves a purpose. I know you, you spent yes. a lot of time on that mole negro. Uh, you also, the, the triple chili enchilada sauce, that also looks very authentic and something yes. that you put a, a lot of time into. And, and both of those are, are heavy ingredient driven, but the execution is very simple that anybody really can do once you identify all the ingredients. But that's another sauce that you use a lot on, on different dishes. Yes, completely. And, and let me throw in, you know, the versatility there. Like, so in that recipe, I think the, uh, the mole and maybe even the enchilada sauce, I use a lot of oxtails just for as a natural thickening agent because I don't use flour and stuff like that. But, you know, if you are plant based, you can use, you know, a great veggie stock and kind of use all the other same things like in the yeah. like in the enchilada sauce, you know, tomatoes, onions, you can use all the veg stuff and use a veggie base. You don't have to get anywhere near animals. Same thing with the mole. So that's something important. I, I didn't necessarily say it in the book, I don't think, but but it still comes together really well. I mean, even it still works. Yes, yeah. it's still going to be amazing because you you have all the core ingredients, whether they have the animal or not, that just gives a little different flavor profile. But that's something, again, I want to share with the, the more plant-driven folks that you can do those more complicated sauces without the animals. Yeah, I'm here on the East Coast, and, and I know in California, Mexican, it, it's so authentic. I don't always get it here. You know, when we find something locally and you go, oh, that's that's authentic. It's always exciting. But going through these recipes this is authentic. I mean, this gives us the opportunity to do this at home and to make these recipes. I mean, you have put a lot of time into this going, I know a lot of time in Mexico, pulling it all together. You've got a few different bean recipes that, you know, the, the classic takes, and then you're, you're not messing around on your charro beans as you've got some extra añejo in there. Yes. I'm a huge bean fan. Like I love beans. It's just such a great source of fiber, protein, and everything else. And one of the things that I have in the book 
another thing that's on trend is the Instapot, right? Which everyone's been using and da da da. And so many people are kind of like, oh, how do I use it? Like so many friends and such that I talk to, they have one that sits on the shelf. So it's a little intimidating. It is. It's all. And so I've kind of broken it down in the book. There's a whole section to talk about it. And then also in each recipe, how to use it. And one of the, with beans specifically, one of the best things is there's no soaking overnight. So it's like, boom, drop it in, follow the recipe, hit the timer, you're good to go. You don't have to soak. That's one of the things why people don't do beans at homes. I, I mean, who has, oh, I'm gonna soak the beans overnight and then do them the next day. That is a total hassle. So the Instapot shows people how to do beans no soaking. I have a soak method in there, so if you have nothing but time, you can do the old school method. Okay. But I share a lot of cool tips and tricks on how to use the Instapot and the same on braised meats and things like that. So there's a lot of cool chef secrets that are tucked into the different recipes. Awesome. Love it. I love it. I've had the, you've got a creamy avocado dressing. That was delicious. You can use that as for salad, but also for dip. I don't eat meat, so this is good to, to yeah, have yeah. substituting in. And your uh, agua dulce cauliflower Man, really oh. delicious. I mean, you, Did you you've like that? got some, yeah, very good. You've got, I mean, I would eat that as a main, but you've got some sides that, that could transition into mains that are, that are veggie heavy and still great. make great flavors. Really delicious. I love that. I love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also like you've got a recipe in there for pickled carrots, onions, jalapenos, where you're using tequila in the liquid. I, I don't, I haven't seen that before. So that's something I, ha I haven't tried yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to making those and you even have some information in there that in Oaxaca, they use a, a pineapple vinegar. Oaxaca is, you know, heavily influenced with, with mezcal and, and there's a lot of authentic agave spirits coming out of Oaxaca. Have you, have you spent some time there and seen what they're doing and, and those cooking methods that they're using in Oaxaca? Not enough. Not enough. I'm trying to, we're trying to plan a trip down there for later this year in the fall because it is, you know, it, it's, it's a food Mecca. I mean, I, I've done more time in Mexico City, which Okay. Again, food Mecca, because that's more of an amalgamation. Yep. You have all the different cuisines that kind of come into there. But no, Oaxaca, I need to like, I need some more time there. And the moles that I've had there, it, it's it's a magical place for sure. I mean, so many places in Mexico are, but that definitely is such a food destination, you know, as as well as spirit. Yeah, th this book is is really well done. As, as I keep saying, the imagery, your your writing background is, is showing through here with just as, you know, you're telling a story. You're letting people in on your world, bringing them into the kitchen, equipping them with what they need to make these authentic dishes. And there's something so special about Mexico. Dave, you stay very busy. You give a lot of your time to charity events. I know you do a lot of work with uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. Foundation, uh, along with some others, which is great to see. It seems like Top Chef has has opened a lot of doors for you and, and you're grateful and thankful. And so you want to continue to to give back and, and always be available to serve in other ways to serve all those that have shown so much love for you. So that's always great to see. What what do you have coming up this summer? I know you you're, you stay very busy. What, what's your schedule? Look yeah, like this, summer? this summer, you know, the way things have shifted a little bit, I'll be in the Hamptons and Cape Cod, basically back and forth for the next 10 weeks uh, with a couple, just two different clients. So I think I'll be doing about 40 events between next week and September 6th. So it's going to okay. be busy and hectic. And then, yeah, I'll be in November. I'm going to be in Whistler at the Whistler Cornucopia event. I'll be doing a, a five course meal and a cooking uh, demo from the book. That's up in Whistler, Canada. I'm super excited about that. There's some other things coming online. I just talked to Impossible Meats about doing some stuff with them. So Love there's it. a bunch of new stuff there. Yeah, as far as restaurant consulting, there's some things starting to pen, but again, that's 
unfortunately been a little slowed down, but I'm busy with my other, you know, more private chef style clients that are keeping me busy in the interim. So that's equally fun because I, I keep it all fresh. Like we don't make the same stuff and I'm just constantly creating and pushing out new dishes and desserts like all summer long. So it's like super fun because I'm doing all new stuff. So it's not like, you know, we don't have the same meal twice. So it keeps me interested and it keeps them and all their friends and guests happy too. This book, The Tequila Diet, this is available all, all over online. I want to encourage everybody to to bring this book home, to really go through it, spend some time, not just with the cocktails, but with the actual courses of uh, the different dishes, because there's some really great stuff in there. Dave, real quick, before I let you go, talk through social media. Yeah. People can keep up with you at the websites, anything where they can follow along with what you've got going on. Yeah. So uh, chefdavemartin.com and my tequila diet. Diet.com are the two main domains that kind of have everything. Okay. As Doug was mentioning, the books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's on all platforms. And I actually, the ebook is $9.99. So like it's a total steal okay. and that's on every e-platform. And the book, the other book is kind of everywhere too. You can Google it. It's everyone. It comes up first in the search. So, but yeah, those are kind of the main places to follow me and catch up with anything. And all my other social media is on those two core domains for Facebook and all that. If you go there, everything's there where to click through. Well, Dave, hey, I want to say thank you. I know you're busy. Thank you for your time, for sharing this book. Uh, great job with this book. I look forward to spending more time working my way through the kitchen with these recipes. But again, my friend, thank you and salute and cheers. Cheers. Yes. Thank you so much, Doug. Take care. Take care. That was Dave Martin, chef and author of The Tequila Diet. You can learn more about the book at mytequiladiet.com, and it's available on Amazon. A big thanks to SipTequila.com for sponsoring the show. Be sure to subscribe to the Agave Social Club YouTube channel for more tequila content. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening.